So today is the holiest day of the night of Shiva. Mahadev ki jai. Gopishwar Mahadev ki jai. So this auspicious uh, day, end of the winter in Vrindavan, beginning of the spring, and um, uh, commemorating the great divinity of Mahadev Shiva. Hmm. And um, it's notable, I believe, that uh, our particular lineage of Vaishnavism, as you know, there are different Vaishnav lineages, and um, um, in ours we uh, hold Madhav Shiva very, uh, very highly. And it's not the case in, in some of the other Vaishnava Sampradaya, especially in the south. The Madhva Sampradaya, the Ramanuja Sampradaya have um, um, not much, to be polite about it, appreciation for Shiva. And that uh, largely, of course, based on the representation of Advaita Vedanta on the part of uh, Shankar, who's thought to be a incarnation uh, in this world of, of Shiva, so making that connection, um, there is quite a bit of uh, sectarian dispute between the Vaishnavas and the Shaivites. Mm. In the Madhva Sampradaya, they have a mantra that they chant before urinating, uh, which is not. Um, um, very becoming description, I believe, of, of Shankar. So it's very <laughs> strident in their uh, sectarian approach. Madhva, of course, is in direct clash with his Dvaita Vad philosophy from the Advaita Vad. Advaita means non dual, and Dvaita means dual. So there's a direct uh, conflict there. Um, many debates over the decades and so forth. And in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, I don't believe they hold him very highly um, either, and that's a softer kind of a response in one sense uh, to uh, Shankar's Advaitavad. Um, this is largely a feud in the South, if you will. And... Um, I think there's the idea in the Ramanuja Sampradaya that you would better to be eaten by a tiger than enter into the, the temple of, of Lord Shiva. And, and I think in both of these instances, again, it's, it's largely um, centered around their philosophical, theological opposition to uh, Advaita Vedanta and, in the case of the Ramanuja, the idea of entering into the, well, to use a Gaudiya term coming from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the Timingila of Maya, Mayavad. Timingila is, is this uh, um, uh, uh, fish that's said to be uh, so big that it swallows whales like minnows. 
So if his mouth is open, he can swallow everything. So Advaitavad has this capacity to apparently embrace everything, that's the exterior of it, embrace all traditions, but it actually swallows them up <laughs> and uh, leaves you with nothing but Advaitavad in the end. In other words, in Advaitavad they have this um, posture which all the paths are good, all paths are honored, but if you listen carefully to them, they're all just particular manifestations of the non-dual Brahman. They correspond with different people's psychologies, and when it's all over, there's nothing but the non-dual Brahman left, so they devour them all. So there's this appearance of acceptance and embrace and uh, pluralism and so forth. Um, But if you look closely at it, it, it's not that at all. There's only one. All manifestations of divinity, they're all good, but they're all manifestations of the ultimate impersonal Brahman. And uh, and you and want to just go directly to that uh, and do away with all the other... Um, but if you need to, you know, you can be a Godi or this Vaishnava or that or so on and so forth. So it's a little bit insidious in a way. There's a statement in... Chaitanya Charitamrita of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. I forget the Bengali, Bengali now, but he says, uh, um, I think he's paraphrasing something from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he says, better uh, uh, half-truth uh, uh, is worse than no truth at all, something like that. So it's in reference to the Buddhists. So the Buddhists, of course, from the Vedic point of view, you have no truth at all in that they don't accept the Veda and, and there's no Atma and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but at least they come out and say it. Uh, we don't believe in God, there's no Atma, there's nothing, and so on. Whereas in Advaita Vedanta, the other, but God is good, God's good. Then there's, there's good, Bhakti is good. You can do Bhakti and, and uh, and and we accept the gods, and so, they're only provisional, of course. And you could just as well, as one uh, famous Advaitin said, whether you meditate on, I shouldn't even say it, or a cockroach, it doesn't really make any difference. Hmm? The idea is just to focus the mind on something. So uh, that's not a very uh, uh, beautiful uh, way to speak about it. About uh, Vishnu, hmm? um, there's a statement in in Chaitanya Bhagavat that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became upset suddenly in poor in uh, in Navadweep. There is a man, and he says, "God has no legs. God is deaf, dumb, lame, blind. Hmm? He's, he's nirakar means he has no form, so he must he, he can't. It's, it's a way of saying he's blind, he's deaf, he's dumb, and so forth." I can't tolerate this. Uh, so he ended up converting that 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 Advaitin famous story, um, as described in uh, in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita in Banaras Prakashananda Saraswati. So, um, at any rate, these uh, two Vaishnava uh, sects that I mentioned in particular that they were uh, coming forward at a time when the Advaita Vedanta kind of had a monopoly on religion in the uh, subcontinent of India, and they, they, they opposed it by their example and by their 
philosophy and so on and so forth. And in a way, they kind of were like, as we see it, they were kind of, uh, uh, what would you call them, uh, speakers at the event before the main speaker. Um, so you have the main band, and then you have the B bands that play beforehand to travel with them or something like that. So they spoke something about Vaishnavism, and eventually Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came on stage, the main event of Kali Yuga. And it was, we see, it is actually very harmonizing, and it is very accommodating. Hmm? Unlike Advaita Vedanta, that, that where, whereas Madhva seems very sectarian, Shankar's view could, could seem sectarian, even even Advaita and Vedanta, and, and excuse me, even Shankar and Madhva are very much opposed in their in their groups uh, to, to to one another. Gaudiya Vaishnavism accepts Advaita, excuse me, accepts Madhvas and Ramanujas and Nimbarka and uh, um, uh, Vishnu Swami, these four sampradayas. Uh, um, of the Vaishnavas, and with regard, they, they of course they they disagree with the Advaita Vedanta, and argue well against it. But they have great regard for Shiva, nonetheless, and they're very harmonizing. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example, was happy to enter into the Shiva temples in his tours in South India. Shiva and Parvati appeared to him, also. In, in the form of a Brahmin and, and, and Brahmani in South India, recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, so we have a, a, a very uh, harmonizing perspective. The Bhagavatam itself says, as we know in the concluding chapter, Vaishnavana Mitashambhu. Shiva is a great uh, Vaishnava. There are many examples in Gaudiya Vaishnavism of honoring of Lord Shiva, and today, of course, is the Shivaratri, and in Vrindavan, uh, the place is uh, all up in a festive mood for Lord Shiva on into uh, the night. And there's an example, of course, in the Braj Lila itself, in Krishna Lila, of the Brajbasis, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, Krishna's associates, worshipping Shiva on the Shivaratri. It's in the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam. Um, maybe 30, 34th chapter, and on the occasion of Shivaratri, headed by Nanda Maharaj, they, the inhabitants of the Coward Village take a pilgrimage to Ambikavan. It's said to be in the northwestern side of Mathura, so you don't go out of the mandal of the Braj. Mathura is included within Mathura Mandal, circle of, extended circle of Krishna's um, pastimes, um, but they go there and they're fasting into the night, hmm? camping out to camp out with the fireside, uh, cooking and, and so forth, and uh, they're honoring Shiva and the goddess Ambika. Hmm? Goddess Ambika is another name for Durga, another name for Parvati. Hmm? Um, Really, from that this perspective, um, uh, Parvati, Ambika, uh, Sati—these are different names for Shiva's consort. Uh, uh, among them, and prominent 
as in terms of what we're speaking about, is of course the sister of Krishna, Subhadra. She showed herself to be Ambika, Durga, Kali, all these manifestations of Devi. And Devi is the wife of Shiva, so Shiva is the brother-in-law of Krishna. His sister is married to, to, <laughs> to Shiva in this respect. Uh, so keep it all in the family. Uh, Krishna is initiated by Sandipani Muni when he went to Mathura, killed Kamsa, then um, his parents there, Devaki and Vasudev, wanted to get him an education, so they sent him to, um, what is the place of Sandipani Muni? Ujjain. Ujjain, yeah. And there he, he and Balaram were educated, initiated, and Sandipani Muni is a Shaivite. And so Krishna's guru is a Shaivite, and we are all Vaishnavas. <laughs> So these are just in different examples of the, of the harmonizing uh, approach of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It is consuming, it is inclusive, um, and in its, in its inclusive embrace, it honors the tradition for what it is and exactly what it stands for and its ideal and the measure of its penetration into transcendence. It doesn't all wash out, as I said earlier, as it does in Vaita Vedanta. It is truly an inclusive um, perspective. It champions its own perspective. Hmm? And if you want to bring the art stick of objectivity, we can make a good case for that, the Braj Lila hmm, of Krishna, the Vrindavan Lila, being the fullest expression of divinity and, and bhakti and those parikar, those associates of Krishna, they say, they went to um, Amikavan and there they fasted at night and it's recorded in, in Bhagavatam. At that time, in the night as they fell asleep, it said that a large python came and swallowed up Nanda Maharaj, Krishna's father. And so he was calling out, Help, Krishna! <laughs> as you can imagine. It was brought up the other day that in sadhana bhakti, one of the characteristics of sadhana bhakti is kleshagni, that it removes um, suffering. And suffering is tied, of course, to ignorance and attachment, and it shows itself as egoism and raga dvesha means attachment and, and aversion. Um, uh, it's fivefold, at any rate. Uh, so, uh, to upend this, this is a characteristic of sadhana bhakti. Another characteristic, however, of sadhana bhakti is that it is, uh, brings auspiciousness right, to a devotee. And in the context of both, with the context of kleshagni, what's happening is karma is being destroyed. That's what it means, Right? Avidya, ignorance, gives rise to attachment and the suffering that's born of that. This is all the realm of karma. So as karma is destroyed, suffering ends. Hmm? But we see that many great Vaishnavas suffer. The Pandavas suffered extremely. Hmm? This is the primary example. That means Arjun and Yudhisthira and uh, Bhima and so forth, Nakul, Sahadev, 
and their mother, Kunti Devi, the, the trials and tribulations that they went through, it would be hard, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to share notes with them and cry. Their, their troubles were, were extreme. Mm-hmm. And our troubles are very small in comparison. Of course, they seem to loom large for us, but mostly only for us. <laughs> Other people say, is that all? Is that the only problem you got? Oh my God. I wish I had your problems. Hmm. Uh, but at any rate, the example of the Pandavas is there in one sense to tell us uh, that in, in bhakti, hmm, well, material suffering is destroyed. Unlike in Shaivism, for example, or in a path of just renunciation, where suffering may be destroyed and there's liberation. In bhakti, there is suffering. Separation from Krishna is is suffering. The trials and tribulations that one has to go through in the context of service. To be a servant means there may may, be many difficulties that you'll have to encounter. Hmm? But these are not in the realm of karma. That is a great uh, mystery of of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. As karma is removed... Hmm? Material suffering is removed, but now devotional pain and suffering can come into our lives. The Pandavas are an example. Hmm? Uh, so this is then the arrangement of Krishna for his devotees in this world. They're not sitting for the most part. There are some vivik, you know, excuse me, uh, tagis, renunciates, and so forth. Hmm? But for the most part, they're in the world and active. And everyone said, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhagnana Bhujai. Difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. Hmm? They may look like, Pandavas just look like they had bad karma. Right? They lost a gambling match. Why were they gambling in the first place? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and they were exiled, and their house was burned, and all these things. Man, they got bad karma. But how can they have bad karma and be so dear to Krishna hmm? that Arjun, at least in the Puri, in the city, is his, is his best friend. They sat on the same bed together. Hmm? And Arjuna addressed him by names of familiarity that he was embarrassed to uh, to recall when Krishna in the Gita showed himself to be God. Hmm? But he also asked him to stop showing himself to be God so I can call you those names again. Oh, hey Saki, hey Yadava, hey, 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 hey Krishna, hey Yadava, hey Saki, to all these things, hmm? uh, which uh, afforded intimacy of feeling, hmm? right? There's philosophy, there's, there's feeling. The, uh, it, it, we, we, when we talk about being freed from suffering, um, pain, which is the goal of Buddhism, which is the goal of Advaita Vedanta, of Gyanmarg, uh, to end suffering, and enter into Brahman. Hmm? Um, it's kind of a negative bliss, if you will. Um, and Gaudi's characterized it like this. It's a negative bliss. It's the end of suffering. End of suffering can be have its, uh, have its joy, if you will, but it, it's not the full face of, of Ananda. Hmm? So, this renunciation that is very... Uh, characteristic 
in the Shiva traditions, Shiva is often depicted as a meditator dressed in ashes only, hmm? very um, renounced. You see these guys in the Himalayas wearing ashes and, and so forth. Um, most of them are pretty crazy, but um, this is the kind of end goal, the, or it is it is the uh, an anga of the Gyanmarg to cultivate uh, directly uh, detachment. Hmm. Bhakti in the con- it comes in the context of loving Krishna, of course, and then you enter into a world of troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, because love is like that; it's full of ups and ups and downs, union and separation, and so on and so forth. So, there's a whole other side, there's a whole other world, and it actually starts to happen in sadhana bhakti. In as much as in sadhana bhakti, as much as karma is removed, the context in which it's being removed is that one is being filled up with bhakti, ingress of bhakti into their lives. So, as karma is removed and bhakti comes into their life, they seem to keep on suffering. <laughs> if you will, or, or undergoing uh, troubles that would appear to be karmic. But the mystery is that they can't be because they're chanting, because they're doing, which are all said, activities are all said to do away with the influences of karma. So they put themselves in the hands of Krishna and he moves them in different ways that are difficult to, um, to uh, understand. Mm-hmm. The renunciation side is a small thing. It's kind of a byproduct. It's a beautiful thing. We should point that out. We were talking, I think, about a few, a few nights back that uh, sometimes people have a hard time understanding renunciation. You want to be a monk. Oh, how can you do that to the family? Uh, you know, we love you. Uh, how can you leave everything um, and live in the forest uh, or the monastery? Something like that. But this is a failure to really appreciate uh, that what that lifestyle consists of in terms of uh, what, how otherwise renunciation, without calling it such, is praised in the world and thought to be uh, a beautiful thing and the way to truth. Uh, for example, uh, I think I gave the example that the, ju- the judiciary system in any country is, 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 is thought to be noble and high, and and the the body through which we arrive at the truth about any transgression or apparent transgression of the law, and that body has to be objective. In other words, they have to be detached from their feelings about it. They might feel, I don't like this guy because he's from over there or whatnot. But he's before the court now. I put on my robe. Hmm. And in Britain, they put on the wig. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they do in India, but uh, they, they, all, all of a sudden they put on a new. Uh, they put on their their sroop, you know. <laughs> they, they get out of their. They take off their material body, which is not objective. Mm-hmm. They have their attachments to family, friends. They vote in elections one way or the other. Now they put on their suit, and now they're in a holy uh, uh, position on the altar if you will, and they're going to um, uh, arrive at the truth. Of course, you've got the jury to help, and they sit in a certain place, and they're advised in a certain way. You can't think like this, and they test them if they have any attachments, reasons that they might not be able to be objective about the subject, uh, 
and so on and so forth, and then they pick them. And, and so it's all about objectivity, objectivity. This is all renunciation. This is what renunciation is about, stepping back from the feelings that come from our attachments that blur or get in the way of our ability to be objective about it. Science is the same way. You may think or feel it might seem like, or intuitively, it might be, you might think it's like this, but here's the facts, just the facts. We looked at it, we separated out a, a, a portion of the environment, we made tests, we got back the data, this is the truth, we're just going to go with, with that. So the world is functioning in such a way that this renunciation is, is thought to be very glorious, if you understand it properly. It's, it's a way to arrive at truth. Hmm? Um, but then when it's in the context of your son is going to go join the monster, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad thing. So it should be understood in this way. Of course, for us, it's just one step in the direction of loving by stepping back from the attachments of ignorance so that we can step back into the world and move within it within a certain, uh, with a certain perspective that everything belongs to Krishna, for example. The Maya bodies, the Advaitans, they step back from the world and say it doesn't really exist anyway. So it's not a doctrine of love. So we go from feelings being a problem to detachment and objectivity for arriving at truth to now new feelings, transcendental feelings, that make the truth of objectivity look small and undesirable. Therefore, one of the qualities of bhava-bhakti is that it makes liberation look insignificant liberation arrived at through objectivity. So now there's a there's a bias on the other side in bhakti and feelings, but these are arising out of something, out of that objectivity that was arrived at through bhakti. So because the objectivity is arrived at through bhakti, when you arrive there, you're, that's, that's not the, the end point. Now you've got standing in bhakti, and so there's possibility for emotions and feelings to arise out of the self because you have realized the self in the context of desiring a union, loving union with the source. So the love now can come out. So uh, anyway, there's a place for the renunciation of Shiva. Typically he's thought to exemplify Gyan Mishra Bhakti. Bhakti mixed with some some Gyan. Hmm? Um, but the but the devotees, of course, they take him to his fullest and most uh, uh, to the manifestation of Shiva that is uh, um, uh, um, that plays out. I should say the statement of the Bhagavatam Vaishnavanamitanshambhu that he's a great Vaishnav. Hmm? So again, even the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they went to. Ambika Kalna, they worshipped Shiva. Of course, again, it was a problem just as an aside. Nanda Maharaj was swallowed by a python. He cried out. So here's another example. Nanda Maharaj is free from suffering, but he's being swallowed by a python. Hmm. So uh, maybe you, would you rather live in a cave or be swallowed by a python? Hmm. Someone would say, yeah, I don't know about this bhakti idea. I'd rather live in the cave here and have no troubles, no problems. Hmm. But in Krishna Bhakti, there can be problems. They were going to worship Shiva. This is another beautiful thing. They're devotees of Krishna. They love Krishna. But in the context of their love, religiously, they're honoring a form of Krishna. 
as, as Shiva. Anyway, the python swallowed him up, and he called out, of course, in Sharanagati, and surrendered to Krishna, help me. What was happening was that the, the, the coward men rose, hearing his, his cries, and pulled logs from the fire, and they were beating the serpent. You, you ever seen any of these, if they find these huge serpents, like in Thailand, that are like monsters from, I mean, they're like eight feet tall and 100 feet long. Hmm? I've seen before pictures. Hmm? So something like that. Big, big python. Well, the whole Nanda Maharaj. <laughs> and so they're beating him with logs and there was no, um, they weren't the fiery logs, burnt, burning logs. They were not successful. And then here, Krishna hearing his name called through his father's chanting, see the power of Harinam. So by, by chanting Harinam, then Krishna came. And what did he do? He touched the, the serpent with his foot. So why didn't he, you know, like crunch him or something like that? Because he thought he was embracing his father. Hmm? <laughs> so he looked. He's embracing my father, and my father. So he must be like a family member. So I, I could put my foot on him, and there won't be any offense. If you touch a family member with your foot, there's there's no offense. And a big touch by the foot of Krishna suddenly, he. Burped up Nanda Maharaj and assumed a form from his previous life. Hmm? It was a Gandharva, I think, Gandharva. Hmm. And, um, and, uh, and then explained how re- his memory came back and explained how he got the birth in a serpent's form, that he was a, uh, like a heavenly type of resident, very, very beautiful. Uh, I think his, maybe his name was Sundar or something like that, other name, very beautiful person. And he was intoxicated, as as some people can be, by their beauty and good looks. And so he saw a sage, maybe Angira Rishi, who wasn't very beautiful by, by the naked eye, which is not, uh, not uncommon. Hmm? Vyas was said to be very, very ugly. That's why Rupa Goswami says in... Upadesha Amrita, what? That we shouldn't judge a Vaishnava by their appearance externally, even their psychology. We have to look and see the measure of his or her faith and absorption in in, in bhakti. Just like he said, he gives an example, just like the Ganges is said to be sacred despite what's floating in it. So we don't curse the Ganges for what's floating in it. We, we take the, those things out if we can, the Gandhis, but the Gandhis is pure, something like that. Hmm? So there may be apparent impurities in the body of a Vaishnava, but they're under the shelter of Krishna, so it's his arrangement, that may be the case. Here it was a case with the, the Gandharva who was, had very extraordinary beauty, and he was intoxicated by it. So he saw the, apparently, to the naked eye, to his eye, ugly sage, he laughed at him and ridiculed him, so the sage cursed him to take birth as a serpent. But along with the curse, of course, came the blessing that he would be touched by Krishna's feet, and now his position was was um, extraordinary. And he admits it himself in the text of the Bhagavatam, just see my position, just to be touched by your foot, to be in the company of yourself, after the offense I've committed, and so forth, and so on. 
So this is the story, anyway, of Shivaratri, the adventures of Shivaratri <laughs> amongst the, the inhabitants of Vrindavan. We want to go on that pilgrimage with them someday, huh? Leelas are eternal, so you can go and witness it yourself. Observe, observe Shivaratri now, and your Sadakadeya, and then in the Brajlila when they go camping, then you will go as a friend of Krishna also. And see the Vidyatara Leela. So, Shivaratri, in many ways, uh, we, we have a place for it. This is an example for, for, for honoring Shiva. In, in, in Krishna Leela, and of course in Gaur Leela, as I'm mentioning, there's so much room for that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu going to the Shiva temples, um, meeting Shiva and Parvati, who appeared in South India to get his darshan. Um, ultimately, we have, of course, the Vedacharya, the manifestation of Shiva, in the Leela who brought him here, hmm, Sadashiva. And that's who they were worshipping also in Ambikaban, in evidence of Vrindavan, Sadashiva. And ultimately, of course, we have the Gopishwar. Gopishwar uh, uh, is a form of Shiva in Vrindavan. That temple, that's the one that's like filled up tonight, all through the night. Um, pilgrims, they, they go to a certain place, I don't know, I've never been there, that honors Shiva, and then they come back with these little bottles of water or something from that place. That's what it is. Glass bottles from that place. And they come into the, the Gopishwar temple, the Gopeshwar Temple is the oldest temple in Vrindavan, the first temple, they say. It was established by um, uh, Krishna's grandson, Vrajanabha. Hmm? Um, and it's one of the main Shiva Lingams in Vrindavan that are situated in like the four corners or something. As He's called Chetrapal. Pal means protector, and Chetra means the dom, the place, it's the protector of the place. Um, and protect him means he's not letting just anybody in necessarily. So, story is, of course, in the Leela that Shiva came, he wanted to enter the Rasa dance, and Vrinda Devi said, oh, you can't go in dressed like that. <laughs> There's only one male in the Rasa dance. You're not allowed. And so she gave him mantra, and Lita came, bathed him in the Jamun, and he came out with a gopi's body. He was placed at the gate of the Rasa Leela. Hmm? So he has some access to that in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. The way to enter into the Rasalila if the Gopi Bhav is, is one's ideal is um, taking um, taking help from Gopishwar. Therefore, in many Gaudiya temples, there was outside separate shrine for uh, Gopishwar, and there's a mantra for worshipping him, for becoming a Gopi, before <laughs> you enter into the temple of Radha and Krishna. Hmm. But anyway, the pilgrims tonight they go there and they come back. They come, they go there at night, and then the next day, it'll be tomorrow. They come with these glass bottles of water, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them, all day long. What they do is they come into the Gopeshwar temple, and in the Gopeshwar temple there's a Shiva lingam, and um, in the daytime he's dressed like a lingam, and at night they dress him up like a gopi. He's got a little crown and tilak and earrings and everything. Um, so anyway, they come in these pilgrims, and they take these glass bottles and they circumambulate the um, Shiva Lingam and they break the bottles with the water. They break the bottles and the water is offered and then they walk on the glass. Hmm? Everybody does it. I've, done, I've walked on the glass too. You don't get cut if you're in the right space. 
So uh, that's the whole thing. Uh, I've never seen any blood there, and it's real glass. So it's a tradition going on for, for, for a long time. Uh, it's a little odd from a Vaishnava perspective, but from a Shiva perspective, it sounds pretty <laughs> like it fits pretty well. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I haven't seen anybody get cut. Uh, so that's a famous uh, custom, but it's another example of uh, uh, the uh, uh, Godias and the town of Vrindavan, the place of Krishna, uh, having a place for and honoring uh, Shiva and observing the the uh, Shivaratri. So many, many examples are there. Hmm? Shivaratri, Kijai, Mahadev, Kijai. Any question? Yes. I have a question about this <coughs> this tendency to denigrate uh, Lord Shiva by these two sampradayas, Madhva. Is it is it is it a kind of preaching strategy that was kind of advocated to guard off Vaishnavas? Uh, I mean, to protect them against Advaita philosophy? Or is it something that appeared later on as a kind of detraction? I don't know the history so much of um, that. It could be the latter, or it could be the former, and um, in... and opposition to a certain aspect and and there may be a lack of, of acquaintance um, in a broader sense with the tattva of Shiva and focused on a particular um, you know he's met multi, multi, multifaceted on a particular facet the facet as appearing as Shankar um, but it's true that Sometimes the founders of traditions hold a posi- position that is adversarial uh, in, a, in, a, in, 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 in a way, and then the followers later on make it into something more and end up in, their, in the name of following the founder and taking an adversarial stance, actually becoming offensive and so forth. In a way, you can say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming to, hey, wait a minute, you know, um, we don't do that. We're Vaishnavas. Um, something like that. But there's a lot of this uh, opposition, Shaivism, uh, against uh, Vaishnavism. Mahaprabhu resolved it when he was in South India because he met the argument, who's greater, Shiva or Vishnu? So when he was asked, he said, well, Shiva is depicted in the scriptures as taking the Ganges on his head. And they said, Jai, Shiva... And he said, well, let me finish. He said, but the water of the Ganges is said to be the, the foot wash of Vaman, Vishnu, Avatar, who took three steps and his third step penetrated the, the covering and so the causal waters come. This is the Ganges. So it's the water that's washing Vishnu's feet that's landing on Shiva's head. And Shiva's worshipping Vishnu. So, she, so Vishnu worship must be superior to Vishnu, to Shiva worship. Okay, so now we've gone from Jai Shiva, wait a minute, oh, Jai Vishnu. And then, then you come back with the verse, Radhananam Sai Visham Vishnu Radhananam Param. Tasmat Parataram Devi 
Samacharam. Tidiyanam Samacharam. Parvati, Shiva's wife, asked, what's the best kind of worship? And Shiva said, Vishnu Aradhanam Param. The Aradhanam, the worship of Vishnu, that is Param, that is supreme. And then when she was a little dejected because she was worshipping Shiva, he said, but greater than the worship of Shiva is the worship, or, excuse me, greater than the worship of Vishnu is the worship of that which is dear to Vishnu. Hmm? And dear most to Vishnu is his devotees, and Shiva is a devotee, so the worship of Shiva is the highest. <laughs> so we're awesome. going back and forth like this and harmonizing it. Hmm? Uh, all sides. So um, maybe, you know, sometimes these things are... Um, one of my godbrothers asked Prabhupada that Bhakti Vinod Thakur said, I left the world, my work undone. What did he mean? And Prabhupada said, oh, he could have done everything, but he left some service for us to do. So Madhva, Ramanuja, they left some service for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to come and bring the full picture about Shiva. And there Bhakti Vinod Thakur said, all the Vaishnava communities should come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the Yuga avatar, after he appears. And what we have seen in modern day is they have all got energy from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Sampradaya and recognition in the world and followers from other countries and so forth because of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, teachings and the work of our particular party bar in Chaitanya Vaishnavism. So it's happened in a sense. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Raj? Um, wonder is there any like, depiction like Shiva is also God and devotee? Is there any depiction like how it happens? Was the uh, internal reason for uh, God to manifest this way, like there was for Mahaprabhu? Uh, not like that. No, uh, I think that the idea is Ekala Ishwara Krishna Arsabritya. The, the reality is. Ekala Ishwar. There's one Ishwar. Arsabritya. Everyone else is a servant. So that means Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swami. So Krishna's the, the supreme Ishwar. Hmm? And comparatively, everyone's a servant. Even the other manifestations of Vishnu Tattva, Shiva, and so forth. So they're, they are gods, but they're automatically Britya. Britya means servants at the same time. So... That's just inborn, if you will. Unlike Krishna, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. He's not a devotee of himself. Hmm? He's not support. Balaram's a devotee of Krishna. Uh, you can find Vasudev Krishna in Mathura, Dwarkesh Krishna in Dwarka, seeing the reflection of Krishna in the pillar. Hmm? Is it of himself? I think in Vasudev Krishna in Mathura's, he sees something and he, he, he longs to see the form of Krishna in Vrindavan. Mm-hmm. We find this is very peculiar. He longs to see the form of Krishna in Vrindavan, wearing the peacock and, 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 and so forth. I'm being reminded of it or something. There's a verse, I think, in Bhakti or Sindhu. So, examples. Mahavishnu, right? In Bhagavatam, there's a famous story when the sons of the Brahman kept disappearing, disappearing, and Arjuna made a plow, a, a, a promise that this, whoever, I will bring the sons back or I will commit suicide. And he couldn't do it, so then Krishna wouldn't allow him to commit suicide, and they went to the, the abode of Mahavishnu, and there all the sons were there. And Mahavishnu said, oh, I stole them all because I wanted to see the two of you, Krishna and Arjuna, have your darshan here. So 
is attracted to them. So there's something inborn in all the manifestations of Krishna that now enables us to uh, uh, refer to them as as Britya. Britya means servants. In comparison, in relation to Krishna, who is Lakshmi Sahasrasata Sambarmasivimam. Millions of Lakshmis surrounding him. He's the son, he's the servant. So that's why it's so peculiar for Krishna to become Britya. And the the way in which he does it, because he's bearing the flute, his skin is described as so tender that if it's touched with a leaf, it will change colors. Like you can try to change the color on your skin, press down on it for a while, and the blood will stop and it'll get a little pale. But if Krishna's touched by a leaf, how tender. So these descriptions of Krishna, the enjoyer, the center, spoiled child, and so forth, and now to become a Britya, a servant, and experience himself from Radha's perspective, the contrast is, 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 is unbelievable because now he's a sannyasi carrying the danda, the rod of chastisement, chastising his body, his mind, his words, only to use only to employ them in Krishna's service, fasting, wearing the simple... He's not wearing, you know, Krishna's... Uh, what is it? Um, what is this song we sing? Pitamba, um, but... Suvas. He's a very meticulous dresser. Even when he jumped up on the hoods of Kaliya, to chastise Kaliya, he straightened himself out. <laughs> of course, the gopis were on the shore checking him out. So, and then he was did like a dance on top of the hoods of Kaliya. It was a forecasting of his his, his dancing ability, which would then manifest in the Rasalila. Anyway, <laughs> he's a meticulous dresser, and suddenly he'd become a sannyasi, right? You know, renunciate and sacrifice her from the enjoyer to the sacrificer, both ends, extremes, we have him. So it's hard to recognize. You say, that's Krishna? <laughs> he carries a flute, you know. Hmm? He sits on a lotus chair, you know. And this is, Mahaprabhu uh, was lying on the, f- on the floor. And, and Jagadanan is coming. And, I can't allow this. Making a bed of flowers for him. Mabu comes in the Gambira. What's this? A bed of flowers? And they, and they want me to be the enjoyer. I'm a sannyasi. Here I'm trying to teach the world. And Jagadanda makes a bed of flowers. Take that out of here. And Jagadanda refuses to see him. Then Mabu's heart is pained. And these are beautiful love stories and Chaitanya Vaishnavism. But anyway, the contrast is extraordinary to sort of understand that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. It takes a bit of philosophy, a bit of theology, and deep penetrating insight into into the, what the scriptures are saying. Hmm. that help? So that means that if other incarnations appear uh, as devotees, they come to serve Krishna? Like they come to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's their big opportunity to really show themselves as Brit. See, we're actually we're subordinate. This is actually our position. Mm-hmm. This is where we 
we we uh, we desire. Everyone 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 loves Krishna. Even the manifestations of Krishna love love the Krishna in Vrindavan. No, he's very charming. <laughs> All right, so we stop there. Mahadev, Shivji ki jai, Shivyatri ki jai, Shishidavji Gopal ki jai. Vod, Premanand.